Are you about to launch a new product or service in the logistics tech space? Well, I've got the video for you because I'm about to talk about everything that I just learned from a recent product launch of mine called FreightSchoolPlaybook.com. So let's go ahead and dive in. Hello, everybody. My name is Blythe. I am the owner of a website called Digital Dispatch, which is a website and marketing solution provider for the logistics space. And recently, I just capped off the launch week for a new project called FreightSchoolPlaybook.com. Now, Freight School Playbook is a membership-driven site where I offer marketing and sales courses on demand for a annual fee and this has been a project that's been about five months in the making, really ever, ever since COVID hit. Uh, that was the indication my uh, year-long content plan at the time of February was going to come crashing down. So it, to deal with that, I guess, sort of awakening slash depression, it was sort of the realization that I needed to have a better way to give more clarity to my clients and not just my clients, but also the people who can't afford marketing services from an agency like mine. Basically, somebody like me five years ago who knows that they have something really great, who knows that they offer something fabulous, but you don't necessarily have the budget to either hire a CMO or to outsource to a marketing agency. So for me personally, I wanted to build a platform to help other small to mid-sized businesses that aren't ready to take that next step of hiring a CMO. So basically they would look at Freight School Playbook as the opportunity for the people who wear a lot of hats to upskill in that regard. So then they can have an in-house marketing team and really be the, the, the PR firm for their own company. And so that's the goal of Freight School Playbook is to provide those digital marketing training, that those services, and build them in a way that you can do them yourself inside of your own office. So with all of that said, you really have to understand that this project is something that I've never really taken on before. I've built websites for years, but a membership platform is completely different because in a typical website, you're building for the front end users, the people who arrive on your homepage, your blog page, your contact us. So there's that aspect of the project. Then you have to build for your normal users, the your, your tech team that's logging in, your marketing team that's logging in. All of those positions currently, I am a part of. I am not the lead tech person. I do have a tech solutions provider that I rely on to help out with the things that I do not know, which when it comes to a membership site, I didn't know a lot. So in, in that respect, I was building from the back end of a website and the front end of a website. And then I'm building for the membership portion of it as well. So when a member goes to log into the site, what courses can they take? Are, are all the courses open? Uh, what kind of certification are you going to offer at the end of the course? How many lessons are in each course? Are you going to be offering any kind of resources? Do you want to offer quizzes and polls and homework assignment inside each of these courses? So there's probably three branches to that tree of building a membership site. And so it was all very much a learning curve and something that I really did enjoy building, but you have to put yourself in the perspective of all of those different user cases of how 
to build this site. So that was sort of the concept as a whole of building Freight School Playbook. And I built it separately from Digital Dispatch. Digital Dispatch is, I I don't want to say a standard website because there is an e-commerce store on there to take care of our uh, subscription options. So, you know, things like hosting, analytics, people that pay us a small monthly fee in order to take care of those services for them, all of that billing goes through the Digital Dispatch website. So my thinking was, is that I don't want to muddy the waters too much. Let's do two separate brands, but Freight School Playbook is still a product of Digital Dispatch. So I had to operate those as two separate entities. And thank God I did because of the intricacies that were involved in building a membership site. In this video, I'm going to go over what sucked, what I could have done better. I'm going to talk about what worked, which was a few things. And then I'm going to talk about what's next. And hopefully you can find some value in this in case you're in a similar position where you're looking to conduct a new campaign, a new product launch here in the next few months, or maybe even planning for 2021, because it is, you know, as the time I'm recording it, it's the the first week of October. So this year has flown by and also crawled incredibly slow, if that makes sense, all at the same time. So So I think that you'll be able to get a lot of value out of this. I know for myself, it's been a week since launch and I have been diving in. I thought that this would be my week that I could take a vacation, maybe take a break, maybe kick my feet up. Not the case. Uh, I needed to hop right back into the research part of it because there were so many things that did go wrong and so many things that I wish I could have done differently. But that's the point about launching a new project is that you don't learn until you launch. And if you wait until everything is perfect, you waited too long. So I didn't want to get stuck in and waiting too long to launch this because I knew that I wasn't going to gain any knowledge on how to get better until it was launched. And boy, oh boy, I have uh, a lot of things to learn. And that's essentially how I've been spending the week after launch is, you know, you have a few days where you're, I would say, if, if it went well, uh, you're, you're ecstatic, you're happy. But in my reality, and the reality of a lot of product launches is that you need to learn how to do things better because it didn't live up to your expectations and my expectations. And this is where I will find the first faults because I'm going to go ahead and just start talking about everything that I could have done better. But the first thing is the arbitrary number that I set for myself. I wanted to hit 50 members to sign up for the platform. And I don't know where I came up with that number. It just sounded good in my head. And this is coming from someone who is a marketer. I admittedly, throughout the course of my career, have always had the luxury of focusing on the creative, focusing on why this is a good fit for my target audience. And I create the content, I create the blogs, I create the videos, the podcasts, you name it. But then the sales process has always been up to another team. The closing of the sale has always been up to another team. But for this particular project, I did not do a good job, I think, of the sales process and the sales closing process. Because for me, and I think this rings true for a lot of people, is that if you put your heart and soul into something and you're really passionate about it and you spend a lot of you know, sleepless nights over the course of months building something that you think is going to be really great, you don't get to just prop up your feet when it's launch day. That's when the real work begins. So I would say that that is my number one thing of what sucked 
right off the bat is that I didn't do a good enough job at focusing on the variables of the sales process. Now, I kind of mentioned that I have done another product launch before, but I would say for that product launch, and that's actually what I was on stage, if if, if uh, you go and check my YouTube channel on Digital Dispatch, you can actually go back and listen to a demo speech that I did live at a FreightWaves event uh, a year and a half ago, which is a major industry event. And I'm up on stage and I am demoing in front of about 1,100 people. And I'm telling them about this great product that I built for their websites. And it went really well. And, and I had a bunch of leads afterwards, but I didn't have, a, a I guess, a sales product process that was up to par. So for this product launch for Freight School Playbook, I said, I learned my lesson from last time. I need to have a good sales process for launch week. Now to to break down what this launch week looked like, the blueprint of it, it was over the course of 10 days. I decided I'm going to open up memberships on this day and I'm going to close them on that day because I want to create a level of urgency. I want people to sign up ASAP because what I want out of this is to make the platform better for them. So if I create a window that you can sign up and close that window after a certain amount of days, then I can use that as a focus group. And I can say, what do you like? What do you not like? What can be improved? What courses do you want to see next? That was my thought process behind it. And so having that limited window of when memberships were open really put a time constraint on a lot of different things. One of those things being my email nurture series, which I only started a month before the actual launch date. I should have started it sooner. So let that be a lesson to you. If you are thinking about launching something in the future, you need to start nurturing your audience. They need to get used to hearing from you more often, not in a spammy way, in a helpful way. The approach that I took with my email newsletter is I wanted it to be people first. I wanted it to be value first. So I put my best information front and center and the concept of this email. And and if you're not a subscriber, go to digitaldispatch.io. You can sign up at the bottom of the homepage. But I provide marketing insight, marketing examples based around the logistics industry. It's something that no one else is doing. So I feel like that that is a value add to my audience to be able to send them specific examples of what's going on in the industry in case they've missed it. I also include a lot of news tidbits, even some football, you know, if a crazy play in football happened or something like that, I I do include in some trending topics within the newsletter as well. And at the very bottom of the newsletter, that's where I put my sales pitch. So I put the sales pitch about Freight School Playbook at the very bottom of the email. And that ended up working out really well for me. But the point of this, of including it in this particular part of the show is that I should have started that sooner. I shouldn't have waited so long to start reaching out and nurturing the leads that over the years I've spent so long building. And from a marketing perspective, those are the kind of things that you can't get away with automating anymore. I think you got to take that extra step and provide that value especially when it comes to email, because you're competing with so many other companies and that inbox attention real estate that it's very easy for someone to see your email and just immediately click delete, which the overwhelming majority of email users do. They they see an email that they don't necessarily have interest in, and it could be a time thing. It could be a day thing. It, it could be a lot of different variables. But if you're not making each one of those 
emails value packed that you send, the likelihood of someone just deleting it without opening it greatly increases. So even if someone deletes it one week, I want them to remember if they check me out the following week and they happen to open up the email, I want them to get a lot of value out of it because the likelihood that they'll open up that email in the future increases. So the I wish I would have started the email newsletter sooner because that did very well in the grand scheme of things. Uh, one other lesson that I did learn is to wait on major upgrades on a platform before you ever launch it. And my mistake was is that I always, I'm a dreamer. I, I look at things from a macro level and then I isolate it down at the micro level. And so one of my big plans for the website and for Freight School Playbook is to have an affiliate program. And for those who don't know, an affiliate program is technically where you have a user sign up and they then use custom URLs, custom graphics, things like that, and they promote it out to their network. So it's kind of like a fancy influencer network where you're sending and you're creating a lot of these things, but then your affiliates are using their automatic links and sharing it out to their audience in hopes that their audience will become members on the site. It's a very labor-intensive program and to add to your site. You have to figure out a lot of variables. You have to figure out your contract situation. Uh, you have to figure out who you're going to accept into your affiliate program and why. Are there any parameters that you wouldn't allow someone? Is someone, you know, have hateful speech online that you don't want them necessarily a part of your platform or promoting your work? So there's a lot of different variables that go into building an affiliate platform, not to mention the payment part of the affiliate platform, which was another aspect. So basically, this was a part of the site that I have had goals of adding to it, but I added it too early. I should have taken a step back and said, what is going to be the most important to my audience that does become a member? And the most important things to a current member is the course content. So I should have put more energy into the course content and the launch content versus adding a program that I think would help sales out later on down the line. So I would have waited on major upgrades and put more focus on the course content itself. Another thing that I was a little hesitant on is I also listed courses that are coming soon. And I think there was a level of confusion that, of course, I want to be able to give members, especially members that are technically signing up for beta access, I want to give them a roadmap of what the membership looks like. These are the courses you can take now. These are the courses coming in the pipeline. However, I think there was a level of confusion because there were some members that signed up thinking that they would be able to take the coming soon courses immediately after sign up, even though it was clearly labeled or quote, air quotes, clearly labeled on the website, I didn't make it clear enough because there was a level of confusion in that regard. So I should have been a little bit more careful about the items that I listed as coming soon because some people didn't even see the word coming soon. They just saw that that was a course on the course page and they signed up thinking that they could take it immediately. Now, it's also a good problem to have because now I know that those courses were of high interest to those users. And so that helps me clear out my roadmap as far as content production is concerned to know that those are the, those are absolutely the courses that I need to record like yesterday. So that is the, the feedback that I'm taking from that. Luckily, those members were understanding. 
I still think that they need to take the original live courses first because we have a habit, especially when you're working in marketing or you're interested in, in digital media and marketing world, that you see a course titled, you know, Podcasting 101 or LinkedIn Marketing 101. You see that and you want to jump right into it and you want to take that one first because that's the sexier title, not how to audit your website, which is one of the titles Freight School Playbook launched with. So while I firmly believe that how to audit your website and how to audit your marketing plan should be the absolute first course that you take, other people didn't quite see it that way. They wanted to take the sexier course option. So there was a little bit of confusion there. I should have cleared that up and I'm working on that as we speak. The third one is one that has really challenged me a lot and and what sucked, aka needed improvement in my Freight School Playbook launch, was I needed to create more niche-based advertising. For me and advertising, I know the basics. When I say advertising, I'm referring to Facebook, Google, and LinkedIn. When it comes to those ad platforms, there are people who spend their entire career is devoted to Facebook ads or their entire career is devoted to creating LinkedIn ads. So the idea that I could just create a few ads and they would perform well was super naive. And I can't believe I even thought of it that way. I just thought, hey, I got a good product. I'm going to create some advertising around it. And you know what? It's going to immediately pay off. And it did not happen. I'm here to tell you, it's way more complicated than you think. It sounds nice from a high-level, eagle-eye view of advertising. I know that you can get hyper-targeted. I know that you can advertise images versus video and that you can send that traffic directly back to your website or to a landing page or to a purchase page. I know all of those things, but executing it was completely different. For the advertising, I should have tested I don't want to even say quadruple because it was way more than that of what I should have tested. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm, I've been diving into organic and paid performance-based ads and I, I, I have a really good, not a really good grasp, a better grasp on it, I should say. However, I should have started testing sooner because there was one moment in this training that I've been listening to this week and it talks about this one gentleman who owns a massive ad agency and media buying agency and one of the campaigns that he recently ran and he said that one headline, because you can test a variety of different things in Facebook, but he ran one Facebook ad and he changed the headline of the ad kept the same visuals, kept the same destination link of where he's sending that ad traffic to, but he tested the headline 167 times. Think about that. 167 times for one ad. And he tested that for a week, figured out which ad performed the best, and then took the majority of his ad budget and put it behind that one performing ad that performed the best. Now, in comparison, little old me over here ran ads. We had a video-based and an image-based ad. And I thought that, naively, I thought that that was enough. And clearly, 
that was not enough. When you have another gentleman who this is his full-time job, who has a team of people working with him, ran one ad 167 different ways before he put a bunch of money behind it. So for me, it's a little bit of a gut punch because you look, it's like lighting, you know, a thousand dollars on fire when I think about it. And that's exactly what I did. I, I naively stepped into the ring of a competitive battle that I was not ready for and I got knocked out. However, I have learned a bunch of tips since then, and I will share that in a later episode, probably a later course, definitely a later course, but I've learned a lot about just internet-based ads just in this week alone because I felt like that was by far the weakest part of my entire strategy. And the good thing is, is that there's only one way to go and it's up because I can't get any worse than the ad performance that happened over the course of launch week. And, and I, for me in particular, that is one place that I could have done a lot better. And I think with just a couple tips, I wish I should, I should have started running ads earlier because come to find out when you put the Facebook pixel on your website, you can start getting demographic information, audience information on who's using your site before you ever run an ad. So for me, I didn't even put the Facebook pixel on my website until I was ready to start running ads. It's not how you're supposed to do it. So if you have a website out there and you're thinking about running ads in the future, Put the Facebook pixel on your website first and just start collecting that data because then when you are ready to start running ads on your site, then that's when you'll have some information on the audience that's already checking out your site. And so it'll be easier for you to create those ads in the future. And I think another takeaway, just a brief takeaway, is to make sure that you test and you test a lot and put a little bit of money behind those tests and see which one performs the best, and then update your graphics and update your strategy to use across multiple platforms. So if I had to do it again, I would do a lot of things differently, but I would start with testing and I would start with Facebook first because LinkedIn is very expensive to advertise on. So if you don't have your audience demographics down, if you don't have the the content and the campaign and the way it's going to perform down, then you're going to waste a lot of money on LinkedIn. These advertisements aren't just a magic bullet. This is something, this is a serious thing that you have to spend, you have to dedicate a lot of time into not just the research phase of it, but the testing phase of it and the implementation phase. And you have to do that all very well and you have to do it over and over and over again. So that was a big takeaway for me. So hopefully, you know, be on the lookout for future content around niche-based ads because knowing what I know now they're definitely going to be a very powerful tool to use in the future. And, you know, if you watch certain documentaries, you know, Netflix is the social dilemma. You can see how powerful these ads really are. Now, I'm not going to use them in a way that's going to be deceptive and and use it to manipulate people. I firmly believe in, in what I sell and I'm using the value of what I sell to help other people. And so advertising in that regard can be done in a very effective way. And as long as you're doing it in an ethical way, I feel like there's definitely a place for online advertising, especially on social media. And as long as you take the approach that you're you're helping people and you're helping them to make something better out of their lives and out of their businesses. So definitely 
more ad content coming your way in the future. Now let's talk about what worked. Talked about everything that sucked and everything that I think could have been improved, which there are a few more things that I think could have been improved. But what did work is that I didn't, well, piggybacking off of what I just said, I didn't hit my goal of 50 members, but I did get a couple dozen. And out of those couple dozen, I'll be able to build this product and make it even better for people in the future whenever memberships do reopen later on in the year. There's also some different opportunities to just offer one-off courses. I think right now with the market that we're in, it's very difficult for somebody to commit to a year's worth of whatever, a year's worth of a gym membership, a year's worth of a, a food subscription much less a training course. So I have to get better at offering a variety of options, which is is something that I think will work. I think another thing that did really work is, is being genuine about your marketing. I have been on the LinkedIn train for the past couple years, but really it started to pick up over the last seven or eight months or so. People can't go to conferences. They can't really have meetings anymore they can't, or in-person meetings. So everything's gone digital. And because everything's gone digital, we now have an opportunity on some of these platforms to increase our awareness and, and increase our, our networking capabilities. And so like a lot of other people in the logistics space, they have flocked to LinkedIn and where this was a platform that had you know a handful of logistics podcasts now has a couple dozen. So this platform is growing as far as the content is concerned, video-based content, podcasts, networking capabilities, uh, being able to, to watch other professionals in your network express their knowledge and everything that they know about a variety of different aspects of the logistics industry. So you have all of these different perspectives and it's almost like information overload, but it's been a really great thing because you learn so much from so many different companies. So I would say that one thing that really has worked is LinkedIn marketing. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, from the advertising side, I'm talking about from the genuine interaction side of things, connecting with people, following them. If someone shares a helpful article and tags somebody else in it, following that person and what their insights are, sharing this news with your network and and collaborating together uh, on, on different shows and, and interviews and being able to share your resources with somebody else and they share their resources with you. And so that's really been very powerful. And, and that networking over the past, I would say over the past couple of years, but really over the, the last six or seven months has been incredible. And before Freight School Playbook ever launched, we we got several different publications to talk about Freight School Playbook. And it was simply based off of the genuine interactions, the commenting, the sharing of articles and perspectives on LinkedIn. So you, you think about Freight Waves wrote an article about us. I was on What the Truck. I was on PDQ America's podcast, Road Dog Trucking, Sirius Radio, all of these different platforms that talked about Freight School Playbook and allowed me the opportunity to share my expertise with their audience. So I, I, I attribute that directly to LinkedIn. Also, I attribute it to being open and honest about this whole process. You know, what drove me to create Freight School Playbook, which if you go back and, and look at some of the YouTube videos, you can see the, the thought process behind launching this program. In addition to a really fabulous 
commercial, not to pat myself on the back, but I really, I've never created a commercial before for a product that I built or helped build. So seeing that come to life after four months of building a site, building the course content, launching marketing campaigns, and then seeing a commercial that talks about all of it with centered around the ethos of helping small businesses, it brought me to tears. And you can you can watch, it's probably not going to mean as much to you as it did to me, but you can watch the commercial up on our YouTube channel at, at, at Digital Dispatch. But it's a, a one minute long commercial and it brought me to tears when I saw it because it was the culmination of, of a lot of work that went into this. And, and it was just, it was really cool to see. So it was a little, that th- those little moments when you see your hard work come to life is, is really something else. So I feel like that worked. That probably isn't a good, you know, working talking point for other people, but I'm sure anybody else who's been in my shoes or maybe you have a similar project that you're working on, when you see that come to life and you kind of compare it to where you've been, it's a really great feeling. And it's one of those moments that you, you, you pat yourself on the back a little bit. Uh, another thing that worked really well is launch week webinars. On the actual launch day, I hosted a webinar called Freight Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. And what worked really well, because I was a little concerned that webinars are a little outdated. Uh, Maybe people have Zoom fatigue right about now, but I had really good success with a webinar. And what happened was, is that I set it up for 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Tuesday. I feel like that was a good day and a good time to have it. Now, even though I had a show plan, freight marketing mistakes that I was going to discuss, I also wanted to involve the potential audience. And so what I did is on the webinar day, I blocked off my calendar. I didn't take any sales calls. I I didn't do the normal work that I would do on a Tuesday. I blocked that whole day off and I woke up on Tuesday morning and I sent personalized emails to everybody who registered for the webinar, asking them what they're personally struggling with when it comes to marketing and sales. And I got some really, really great responses and when you talk about webinars, you you usually can expect anywhere from 40 to 60% of the registrants to show up live. For my webinar, I had 87% of the registrants show up live, which is fantastic. And the overwhelming majority of those registrants stayed for the whole show. It was only the last 10 minutes or so when you know when you go into your pitch about your own product or service, which in this case was Freight School Playbook, that's where a couple people did fall off, but the overwhelming majority of them watched that too. So I would attribute that 87% live viewership rate, I would attribute that directly to sending those personal emails in the morning, asking what they were personally struggling with. Because I heard this tactic and I kind of theorized that if you ask something personal and they give you something personal, they're more willing to show up live. And that's exactly what happened. So if you're looking to host a webinar in the future, I would highly suggest trying to personalize them as much as possible because people are dealing with Zoom fatigue. They are dealing with webinar fatigue and and any other kind of video-based interactions with other people. It's almost like you're doing more video than what you did before, you ever did before as far as like networking events. Like networking events, you probably did maybe once a month where 
it seems like there's multiple times per week that people are wanting to do networking events and they think, oh, it's virtual, it's easier. It's not necessarily easier and it takes up a lot of time and energy. So any extra steps that you can take as the webinar host that you can interact with your audience members that you're hoping to attend live, you should absolutely take it. And I hope that hopefully that's a good tip for a lot of you people out there because it worked great for me. I'm going to use it again in the future. And the best part is, is that while I have the full webinar that you can go rewatch on YouTube, I can now take each one of those questions, each one of the audience members, and I can splice that up to individual videos and post those later on. And the idea behind that thinking is, is that if you have those isolated clips, then you can direct that future traffic to either A, interact with you and send you a question and start building that relationship with you, or you can also direct them to the full replay of that webinar and they can watch it in that environment as well. So it it works in a variety of ways. So webinars are not outdated. It worked very well for me and hopefully with those little, you know, bits of advice, it'll work well for you too. Now, The final part of this show is I want to talk about a little bit of the post-launch and what I expected to happen and what did not happen. We've already kind of talked about the disappointment of uh, not hitting your initial goals, which I still don't know why, where I was basing those goals off of. But we're here now. We, you know, we have a little bit of success. So let's start building on what was successful. Uh, Another thing that I learned as far as launch week is concerned is when the launch window closes, you still can't kick up your feet, still can't relax because you got to deal with the customer service issues. People uh, are having trouble paying. They One person was having trouble accessing a couple different courses. So there was a couple settings in the back end of the site that I had to adjust you know, you, you work so hard on this entire project and then you get to the point where someone does exactly what you want them to do and then they can't take the damn course. That was infuriating to me. So you have to plan for those moments that you have to give customer service and you have to solve these problems very quickly. And ideally, you don't want to run into any of these kind of problems because there's always going to be things that are unexpected. I thought that this was something that we could have avoided. I mean, you think about the concept of someone signing up for a membership site, then they should be able to take all of the courses like you think they should. And it's because of a couple settings in the back end of the site that you just forgot to check or you you thought you checked. And for whatever reason, we didn't come through for a few of these members. And that frankly pissed me off. And that is something that we cannot have. And it was something that was fixed as quickly as possible. But it's still, I mean, as you can tell, my mannerisms right now, uh, it pissed me off. And this was something that could have been avoided. But it's also one of those things that you do not learn until you launch. So I have to sort of take that with a grain of salt and say, this is something that's never going to happen again. Because trust me, it will not you know, I'm going to knock on wood for anybody who's not watching right now, but I, it will not happen again. So that was one thing that I definitely learned is that you have to have a customer service plan after the launch window closes. Your work is not done by that point. You, you can't take a breather yet. So when you're managing your project and you're looking at the scope of things, just know when that membership window l- closes, your work is still not done. You still have another week, week or so of customer service tickets, making sure that everybody is, you know, in the course smoothly, everything's going well. And then 
even after that, that's when the real work starts, in my opinion. Another thing that I learned as far as the post-launch is you can't really expect to be able to attribute a single member signup to an attribution model. And what I mean by that is I can't say right now with certainty that any of my advertising affected any sales. I can say with certainty that my year and a half or so of putting out great content is probably what led to the overwhelming majority of people signing up. Because when I look at the people that did sign up for the platform, I had a prior relationship with them. They've been following my work for a while. So it goes back to sort of the importance of you need to be in content marketing for the long game. This is not a short play. You put the work in, you make the genuine interactions, and you do it consistently, and you consistently show up. The advertising is meant to assist in that regard. And while there are definite improvements that can be made as far as the advertising assistance, I can definitely attribute a multitude of things to the success of the couple dozen people that did show up and did purchase a membership. So from that model, I wouldn't be able to go to an exec- a, a CEO or if I'm if I'm a CMO and I'm launching this program within my company, I know that the CFO or the an, another executive, maybe some investors are going to come back and say, well, what worked the best? And the reality is, is that you don't know what worked the best. You know that you have to have a genuine approach when it comes to your content marketing and you have to show up consistently. And because of that, because you're showing up in a variety of different ways through email, through social, through blogging, through video, through media appearances, all of these different channels attribute to that success. So there's not one single thing that you can attribute it to. Some things are more successful than others. Some require more time than others. But it's really the the world that we live in now is that you do have to be in multiple places for your product or your service to work. So I would say that that is one big takeaway, I think, for a lot of people to understand is that you will not be able to attribute it to one single thing. I will give an example of one of the sales that was made. They came in through the podcast and they listened to a few episodes of my podcast and that's how they became a member. So I would have never known that had they not told me. So we have to, as far as just an overall, I guess, like organizational model in the logistics space, really just overall B2B space, marketing in general, attribution to one specific platform is not a good measurement of success. If someone is asking you for the ROI on your LinkedIn marketing efforts, you can give them a report from different marketing platforms, but that's not going to give the full story. So I, I would say that that was a word, a little bit of a word of caution as far as overall content marketing is concerned, is that it's it has changed a lot over the past year to where you have to position your product now as a product of need not a product of want that's how people are buying right now they're buying based off of needs not 
wants. And when they are making those buying decisions, you have to hit the multiple touch points where you you can't point to one single platform as that's the driving factor of why someone chose to do business with you. In reality, it's a multitude of reasons of why someone ultimately becomes a customer of yours or a fan of yours. Well, that was, I mean, that's about wraps it up. I, I hope that a lot of you took a lot of value when I talk about what sucked, what worked, and what happened after a product launch. I'm sure maybe some of you think, well, well, duh, like, how did you not know these things? But you know, the, the reality is, is that marketing is tough. Marketing is really hard, and it's only getting harder. I think I read earlier today that the average career span of a CMO now is 13 months at a, a corporation before they move on to another job, either through by their choice or, or they're fired. So keep that in mind that marketing is very, very tough. Not only do you have to, especially in the logistics space, where there has been a tech boom over the last you know, two years, you have to learn all of the aspects, the, the shipper side, the carrier side, the 3PL side, the product side, uh, the tech side, the media side. So you have to know all of those different aspects and all of those different pain points. And then you have the marketing side of things where you have to know the tech that is going to help you do your job well. And you have to stay on top of those trends. And then you have to find out how all of these things co-mingle together and how they can ultimately help you do your job better. And so it's a sea of confusion in a lot of different ways. But as long as you stay engaged with your network through platforms like LinkedIn, through other channels, Twitter has been great as well, uh, when it's not a complete dumpster fire, like it is, you know, as 30 days until the election. And so everybody's lost their damn minds on that platform. But if you can navigate through the uh, rough Twitter waters. It really is a great platform to to get the word out and to network with other like-minded people in your industry. So I would highly suggest that. Now, when we talk about what's next as far as Freight School Playbook is concerned, I think that there is definitely a lot of testing in my future. I recently discovered, I don't want to say recently discovered because I've always known about A-B testing, but in my particular platform of what I use, I use a, a tool called Divi Builder and Divi Builder works alongside WordPress, which is a CMS, which is where the overwhelming majority, of, I think it's like 65, 70% of all websites are built using WordPress. So Divi is a theme and builder, WYSIWYG editor that is a part of of WordPress and Divi offers A-B testing for headlines. And I did a little bit of testing on the Freight School Playbook website and was able to test the wording of one headline versus the wording of another headline with a common goal. So that was really fascinating to start trying to to A-B test on my own website without the need to involve a developer, without the need to involve additional marketing software. That was really fun to play around with. So I'm going to do way more A-B testing, not just on Freight School Playbook, but on all of my different sites. Uh, so that's coming up next. I would also say that adding sexier courses is is on the list. You know, your people are going to get your your podcasting 101. You're going to get your uh, LinkedIn marketing 101, virtual presentations, things like that. Everything that you saw on the coming soon page is all coming soon to Freight School Playbook. Now, memberships are planned to be opened in in and around November. So we've got uh, it's kind of got some crunch time, but the good news is that the bulk of the membership building part is done. 
Now we make it better for the members and then we reopen and likely we'll keep it open versus having a a limited open window. So I would say that that is coming in the future. I would also say that everything that I have learned this week, because this is one of those moments that when you launch a product and it didn't go according to plan, you become completely obsessed with what could be done better. And that's what I have essentially done all week. Also, I've caught up a lot with my clients because I felt like my focus obviously was elsewhere. It wasn't necessarily on them. So I spent the majority of this week learning and catching up with my clients. So I look forward to implementing a lot of the strategies that I have learned this week into future products and definitely into Freight School Playbook. So I'll be bringing more of that content your way soon. So if you're not already subscribed to any of our platforms at Digital Dispatch, uh, you can find me at Blythe Brum, B-L-Y-T-H-E-B-R-U-M. You can also find uh, Digital Dispatch on a variety of different platforms, including YouTube and also you know Instagram, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. But DigiDispatch is is the username for those. I wanted to just end on one really quick note because I feel like some of the takeaways here you can use in your marketing efforts is, is demand marketing is here to stay. Demand marketing is a little bit different of a play on inbound marketing where demand marketing is more based on the traditional methods where you are not traditional methods, but the I don't want to say even non-traditional methods because there is a lot of similarities to inbound marketing. But in my opinion, inbound marketing is more on the SEO side of things and also on the download a white paper case study, things like that side of things. We're starting to see, and when I say starting to see, it's not just me, but my clients as well, that people aren't likely to download a PDF or a case study or a white paper anymore, especially if you're asking for an email before you give over that information. Demarketing is a little bit different where you give away that information without collecting an email address. You are giving your best work away because it creates that level of trust. It creates that level of authority that you know what you're talking about. So similar to how I have mentioned the strategies that I used on LinkedIn and networking on that platform for the past year and a half, but really heavily over the last seven or eight months, that's really paid off. And that is an example of demand marketing where you're putting content out regularly and you're doing it with no strings attached so that when your user base does eventually need the product or the service that you provide, you're going to be on top of mind. And when they do eventually become a customer, you can't attribute it to one single thing. You can attribute it to all of your efforts. It's really a culmination of everything that you're doing in the marketing world. And as long as you're providing value, then that essentially is what demand marketing is. is you're providing value not only to your current audience, but, per- but prospective audience in the future. Also, Takeaways, building your ads, the importance of testing all the variables in your ads, reworking and publishing those ads again. And I would also say that don't, if you're in a similar position to me and you have a product launch or you have a campaign launch or a business launch and it didn't, it didn't bring thousands of people trying to knock down your door in order to do business with you, then you, you likely are a little hard on yourself. And this is an opportunity to get better. And that's ultimately, you know, I had a couple days of sulking. Oh, wow. 
how did I not hit my goal, this arbitrary goal that I didn't even know how I set it at 50 members. I'm worthless that I, I didn't meet that number. And here we are, I'm a total failure. Those are the, the bad things that you tell yourself in your head, even though you just spent the last five months pouring your heart and soul into a project. The work doesn't end when launches close or when a campaign closes. The work just starts over again. So don't be so hard on yourself. And I should have told myself this when I spent all week really diving in and learning a whole bunch of new strategies that are going to help me in the future. So in reality, I'm better off that I launched and learned so I can do better when I launch again. And I just wanted to share one final note because I had a lot of colleagues that talked about the platform and that was really reassuring to me. And, and one of those people that, that talked about the, the platform is FreightWaves. And I know I talk a lot about FreightWaves on this platform and rightfully so because they're doing a lot of things right in this industry and shining a light on a lot of great tools and people that are involved with the industry that we really didn't know until FreightWaves came around. And one of those people that helps me out a lot is their VP of marketing, Adam, Adam Robinson. And he shared an article that one of the FreightWaves writers Linda Baker wrote about me and Freight School Playbook. And when I reshared it, I said something to the effect of sometimes I hate bragging about my work, but this one I'm proud of. And I think as business owners, you're always a little nervous to share something. Maybe, and I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking out of tongue here, but when I create something, I put a lot into it. And whether it succeeds or it fails, I take it to heart. And this was one of those things where I kind of just want to put something out into the world and then see if people love it or if they hate it. The internet will tell you exactly what they think of your work immediately. And because I didn't have immediate success, I was... And it's still success having people sign up for your platform, but for some arbitrary reason, I set a number at 50. And because I didn't hit it, I was bummed out on myself. And then I felt self-conscious and I didn't want to really talk about it as much as I should during launch week. And even though I had a lot of messages set up in social media, scheduled to send out, so the, the marketing didn't stop of it. But my personal self-reflection, I guess, affected how much I pushed it that week because when it got a little scary, that's when I started getting down on myself and I shouldn't have taken that approach because I got a good reminder from the CEO of Freight Waves and he responded back when I said, sometimes I hate bragging about my work. He responded with, don't feel ashamed of what you built or are building. Remember, most thought you would fail along the way. Reward that part of your brain that never gave up with a little bit of validation and stand proud. I can't tell you how much that meant to me because it I, I got it in a moment that I needed it the most. And what it did is it kicked me in the ass and it said, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get back out there, figure out what went right, what went wrong. And here we are in this show reviewing everything openly of what went right and what went wrong. And I've spent the better part of the last week learning how to get better and learning that content not only helps me and my clients and future Freight School Playbook members, but it also helps people like you who are watching this content. So ultimately, it's a good thing in the end. We launch, we learn, we adapt, we adjust, 
and we launch again. And hopefully, if you've taken anything from this long-winded, nearly hour-long show, is that that if you are working on anything that you care about, keep working on it. Even if no one's anything or a very small amount of people buy anything, let the data tell you what people like and what people don't like. Just rework it and launch it again. (sighs) That felt good to get out. I've been waiting all week to record this video, so uh, hopefully you guys like it. I I plugged it earlier in the show, but... You know, follow me on social media platforms. Sign up for the Digital Dispatch newsletter. You can find it on digitaldispatch.io. We're going to be sharing a whole bunch of updates through that medium, new videos and content and courses coming soon. Also, Winfrey School Playbook will reopen later on this year. Thank you guys for your time, and I hope to see you real soon.